Hello and welcome to Academic Animals' new series of podcasts. This is your host and author, Roger Farr. If you're looking for sweet animal stories like in Watership Down or Babe, then you have the wrong podcast. This series is about my life working as an animal trainer in the film industry. Enjoy the experience. Now remember, where I lived was extremely isolated. So on one occasion, when I was fast asleep in my bed and was suddenly woken up by a large metallic crashing sound coming from downstairs, I feared the worse. I leapt out of bed and grabbed my robe as I dashed for the hallway. Did we have a burglar? That was my first thought. And is there more than one? What was at hand to protect myself should I be confronted with these intruders? I had nothing at all by the way of any kind of weapon. In my panic, I'd already left the panic button on the alarm system, which was beside the bed. I was now at the top of the stairs, peering over the balustrade, looking directly down into the main room. There was nobody around. Everything seemed quite normal. The doors and the windows seemed to be closed. I'm straining in the darkness to see, although I could still hear a rustling sound and a soft padding of what seemed to be tiny feet. As far as I was aware, there should be no animals in this part of the house. Then I saw something shiny in the darkness just under the stairs. I stared for a moment, trying to work out what it was. As I clicked on the light switch, all became obvious. It was Midas. I gave a big sigh of relief. He was a scarlet Aramacor. At night he slept in a large silver cage just under the stairs. During the night he was always very quiet and would simply sleep while sitting on his perch until I would take him out into the garden the next morning. I'd only just purchased Midas from a guy living in London. He had to sell him because of the noise he makes when he screams out. This is a common problem with these kind of birds. The whole neighbourhood knows you've got them. It could be anyone passing by or maybe something on the TV. It could be anything. Following many complaints from various neighbours, apparently the whole street could hear him, so he had to go. Plus, he does tend to bite. That was the first thing he tried when introduced to me. The other thing these birds are good at is using their long, hard, pointed beaks as a tool or weapon. I'm sure Midas could have bitten through a broomstick in one go if he wanted. The cage he was put to bed in at that night was purchased especially for him and had a special padlock on the front with a key to open it. Unless, of course, you had the lock-picking skills like Midas. The lock that came with the cage he could open in seconds, so I had to buy a much bigger, stronger and different style of lock to thwart any future escape attempts. It worked. He couldn't get the tip of his beak inside the keyhole, so I was convinced we'd solved the problem. However, I didn't know that he could undo nuts and bolts too. Slowly, over the course of the evening, he sat there on his perch. He managed to undo every single nut and bolt that held this cage together. When he released the final nut, the whole cage fell apart. The sides all went crashing outwards and the top piece collapsed on top of him. By the time I had got to the bottom of the stairs, he was proudly sitting on the back of one of my dining chairs, watching as I started to pick up the pieces. The only thing not touched and still locked on the side where the door was, was the new high security padlock. I had to reassemble the cage, this time using double nuts done up extra tight with short pieces of wire twisted firmly around key points, hopefully to stop him doing it again. I put him back in the cage and I went back to bed. 
When you get a new animal, and especially one of the type of species you've not had before and have very little experience with, it can be a slow process getting to know their behaviour patterns and the likes and dislikes and their problems, etc. This was certainly going to be the case here with Midas. He became quite a character with lots of naughty habits, but a few funny ones too. The house where we lived was a very old farmhouse with ornate ironwork from God knows what dotted around in the walls and the ceiling. Midas liked to sit high up above my office door on a piece of this old ironwork. I think it's some kind of hay rack cemented into the wall. I don't really know what it was. He was quiet up there and almost unnoticeable. People would pass by underneath and not even see him. It seemed to be his favourite place. He would only come down if he wanted food or to go and play with the dogs. One morning I was in the kitchen when my daughter called me from the lounge. By the time I'd cleaned and dried my hands and gone through to see what she'd wanted, she had gone. This would happen again, and again, and with different people calling out a name, and there was nobody there. Then to our astonishment, we discovered that Midas was mimicking our voices. It was so convincing that you had to be in the room, seeing him do it, to believe it. Then, to add insult to injury, as we all laughed at his mimicking antics, he would mimic us laughing to him. This created a situation with him laughing at us, we responded by laughing at him, and he would copy us again until we had a crescendo of everyone laughing chaotically. So as you can appreciate, Midas was developing and becoming quite a character within the family. The first film part that came in for Midas was a short comedy to be filmed around the countryside just outside and around Brussels. The only criteria we had from the very first telephone call was, do you have a parrot-type bird that talks? Yes, I said. On the strength of that, we got the job. All my instructions, be it the call time to be there, uh, the action and so on, was all in French. Then to complicate matters, all road signs are either in French or Flemish. The words are not even similar. For example, the town of Mons, that's the French region, where they speak the French dialect, it's known as Mons. But in the Flemish part, it's known as Bergen. Every town had at least two names, and in some areas they also had a third language, German. This caused problems not just for me, but for the whole production crew. You see, I was also experienced cultural differences that I didn't realise existed. The French region do not get on with the Flemish region, and vice versa. This was first rammed home to me when I arrived at the first filming location with Midas. I arrived on time and waited in the garden or the courtyard of this beautiful farmhouse. All seemed quite normal for a film set, and the crew were arriving and parking up. The production manager, speaking French, informed me that they wanted Midas to sit on top of this beautiful, antique, vintage-type, open-back car, and each time the car stops, it will not restart, so the driver, this gorgeous young woman, removes a piece of her clothing to fix it, to tie or repair the part so the car can continue its journey. It could be her stockings to fix the fan belt, her knickers to hold up the bumper that's fallen off, and these stops and breakdowns will be going on many times throughout the day's filming. Eventually, the woman ends up completely naked. It was at this point that he presented me with the script. At certain moments, the parrot, as they refer to Midas, must say his lines. I pointed out that not only could I not understand the script because it was all in French, but Midas only speaks the Cockney English. That's a very local London dialect way of speaking, and often very rude words. This was something nobody had thought important. What language? Just give the bird the script. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. After a short discussion, they decided 
that they could dub whatever Midas can say with whatever he should say in the script. So could I give a few examples and get him talking? So Midas switched on his cockney. Give us a kiss. Give us a kiss. All right, mate. All right, mate. How are you going? How are you going? <laughs> they decided they could dub this with ooh la la, sacre bleu, and so on. It was laughable. Anyway, they were happy to go ahead with this. So, meanwhile, things were happening with the film crew, the caterers, the wardrobe department, hair and makeup, all vehicles. They were all parked up and setting up their equipment and preparing for the start of filming. Suddenly, the farmhouse door bursts open and a man, one of the film crew, gets shoved out into the courtyard. As he staggers back, there's a lot of angry shouting between the owner of the farmhouse and several of the production team. To make it even more confusing for me, it was all in different languages. I couldn't for the life of me work out what was going on, but they were certainly almost at fighting mode. The production team started to pack up and prepare to leave. A production assistant came to my vehicle and said, Roger, Roger, prepare to leave quickly. Follow us in convoy. Somewhat surprised, I prepared to leave. What was the problem, I asked. The young assistant explained, We are a French film crew. The location manager arranged all the booking of the farmhouse some weeks ago, always speaking in Flemish with the Flemish owner. When the owner heard all these French voices, he realised we were, in fact, a French film crew, and he got angry and threw us all off of his property. We had no alternative but to leave and ended up driving in convoy around quiet lanes trying to find a place to film, down little back streets, anywhere. This was not easy when you have a convoy of 30 or more vehicles, especially many of them trucks. We snatched a few shots here and there with some actually driving shots with the by now half-naked lady following a camera car with a large red bird sitting on the back seat with the camera hanging out the back of the lead vehicle. And by the way, when she went too fast, the bird would actually take off and fly above the car and land by the roadside. Not the safest thing to do. So I had to stop this. Trying to communicate the hazards was another issue altogether. We then get a message from the location manager. He was speaking to the farmhouse owner again. Can we make our way back to the original location? Apparently, we now have permission to return to the farmhouse and continue filming. Naturally, I'd assumed it was all over money, but no. When the farmer understood that the lady was going to be naked, he thought it was only right that it should be in the privacy of his courtyard and not in the open public streets. How considerate of him, I thought. Now we can continue. I remember some of the shots required me to get up close to this French actress because in the film she is supposed to speak to the bird face to face and the eyeline of the bird and the eyeline of the actress. I had to keep changing positions to get the bird looking in the right direction. Picture this. We have a vintage car with the canvas roof folded down and a large red bird sitting on top of it. We have a buxom young lady driver. She's naked from the waist up except for a small silk scarf. A bit in the style of the famous shot with Rita Hayworth and the bus. The car is driving down the road with a cameraman standing on the front bumper and an assistant or two on the running boards each side. The sun is beating down and the car starts to pick up speed. Steam is supposed to come out from under the bonnet and be clearly seen by the camera to indicate there's a problem. All the time, I'm curled up on my knees and wedged in tight in the front passenger footwell, trying to keep the bird's attention forward and prevent him from taking off. 
Being an old banger of a car, I felt every bump in the road. The actress couldn't remember her lines or getting them timing wrong. To cap it all, I'm supposed to get the bird to say, on cue, ooh la la. It was a strange day at work and a big learning curve about how the two halves of Belgium simply do not get on. I have other examples of this, but maybe that's for another podcast. The next job for Midas was in Amsterdam. It involved no actors or dialogue of any kind. It just required him, as an Aaron McCaw, eating, something he was particularly good at. It was in fact part of a trilogy campaign of a fruit yoghurt, the same product of a different fruit flavour as the Masturbating Chimpanzee podcast and maybe a future podcast about Tommy, my bear. I transported Midas in the same very large cage that he sleeps in at home under the stairs, so he was not worried about his accommodation. It was home from home, same perch, same food, same water bowl and so on. My only real concern with the transportation was I had to slide protective aluminium panels between his cage and any of the car interior and keep a close eye on him at all times because anything he can undo or unscrew is fair game to him. I didn't want to arrive with the seatbelts chewed through or the window locking buttons missing or even worse is when he once chewed through the car's electric wiring. That was a massive repair job. Oh yes, I forgot to tell you. Midas had a party trick. If we had visitors to the house, he would be sitting on his perch in the garden, as he did most days, and he'd be watching their vehicle. As they came up and got out of their vehicle and came into the house, he would drop down and waddle up too and quietly go under their vehicle. Nobody would notice him. And sometime later, he would come out with a nut or bolt in his beak. This was something he did many times. We never did find out where these nuts and bolts came from, and we never got a complaint from any of our visitors. Then again, it's just another day in the office. Here is today's animal joke. This week's joke comes from George, a ladies hairdresser from Ashford in Kent. I was in my local bar having a drink when my old mate John came in with his dog. As we chatted over a beer, his dog was laying quietly down by his feet, started to lick himself down between his legs. I jokingly said to John, wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? To which John replied, if you ask him nicely, he might let you. Don't forget to send me your favourite animal related joke and hopefully it can be part of a future podcast. It can be old or new, you can steal it or borrow it, or you can make it up on your own. But please send it, I would love to hear it. I will send a special thank you present to the person whose joke is selected for use. If two or more jokes sent are the same, then unfortunately it will be the first person's joke to arrive that will get the present. Good luck. Thanks for joining me here today. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed today's little ditty. Why not visit the website and see for yourself some of the commercials, the photographs and the film clips of our work. The website is www.academic-animals.com. Can I ask you to subscribe and press the like button? It's really appreciated. Thanks very much. Now it's official. You're my new best friend. Lots of love. Roger and out. Roger and out.